The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. The man asked, the man receiveth. A nice short intro for the Magic Mike Show. Welcome to the Magic Mike Show, episode 397. I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. I'm a little confused, but I'm still Mike. That was pretty awesome. Welcome yeah. to the Magic Mike Show. Uh, yeah, I surprised you with that one. There you go, buddy. Welcome back to okay. the show. Holterman, huzzah! <laughs> special uh, guests. Why did, I, why did I come on this show, Samich? <laughs> why did I do it? No, I volunteered to come on, too. So, no, I liked it. I liked – here's what I liked about it. The Samich talking on the ABR thing was cool. And, uh, you know, you you with uh, our buddy John is cool, too. So, no, it was good, Magic. Good job. I was I shocked, though, we were on the air already. That was – uh, yeah. I was jamming out still. Right. <laughs> Mike was going on in the background like, yeah, this is great. Oh, wait, shit, we're live. It's the kind dog of like is YouTube too bad sports. All right, let's get going on this. Uh, we have a big day to talk about Saratoga, Del Mar, lots of Breeders' Cup implications from this past weekend. And you guys happen to be there on different points to uh, at Saratoga to talk about what you saw, and it was a great time. Well, Aaron, I don't know how much you remember, though. How you doing today? Uh, it was a – listen, Saturday at the track was maybe the most fun I've ever had at a racetrack. We had so much fun. Jason was there. He knows it. We all had a great time. Um it, Saturday or excuse me, Sunday was fun too, but I was a little tired Sunday. That was the problem. I gotta say, I was a little disappointed in the Sunday effort from Aaron. I, I mean, I saw him at the paddock bar. We hung out yep. for a little bit. Yeah. Talked to Kelly Von Hemo, which is great. Very cool to meet Kelly. Awesome dude. Like I was wonderful talking to him specifically about the Travers. And we'll talk a little bit about the Travers coming up on the show. But then I go back after being in the pack to say what up to Geist. And Aaron's like, I went home. Just peaced out on me, man. He didn't even say goodbye. No, just gone. Listen, I, I, okay. There's two things. It is, it's the hottest I've ever felt it at Saratoga right now. It is hot. All right. Yeah, that's your first excuse. What's your second? Guys ran fifth, and I was mad, and I just left. <laughs> you didn't. You picked the horse in third, though. That's true. I knew the horse was. <laughs> that was what I was saying. Like with guys, it's like, yeah, he's got a shot. It's like, it's, it's he's over his hair. She's over his head a little, or over her head a little bit. Uh, yeah, but you know, she wasn't awful. She was too far behind, and there was no pace. So what are you gonna do? Yeah, she actually yeah. ran really well the final quarter of a mile, but there was yeah. absolutely no pace. And and you know, with Moonlight was able to, to essentially just jump on the lead there and finish it off, turning for home. We'll talk about that one too coming up as well, right, Magic? Oh yeah, we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> A lot going on here. Uh, by the way, Mike's dog, Zoe, making an appearance in the background there. Awesome. That's Zoe. Yeah, well, she's a weird – so I'm in, I'm in Baltimore, headed back down south after a month in Saratoga. Zoe loves herself some hotels. So whenever we go to a hotel, she picks a bed, jumps on it, and just – that's done. It's over. That's her bed. That's where she'll be sleeping tonight. She picked that one. Unfortunately, this is where we're this is where we're shooting. So you get a little Zoe in the background for the whole show. She probably will not move very much. <laughs> we need this every Magic Mike show. This would get more viewers, I believe, because I'm just sitting here. I don't mind. I haven't even looked at Samich once. I, I've just looked at the dog the whole time. So I don't blame you. Love She's it. Blob in front of the dog. It's kind of you know. <laughs> She's a beautiful the dog too, right? Like that's a pretty dog. <laughs> Uh, as Nick says, uh, here's what I learned this week, and I have an incredible ability to go four for five and pick fives. Happened to me. I think a lot of us got burned in one race, which we will talk about. Let's get into it, guys. Not wasting any time. Del Mar Saratoga Breeders' Cup. Riders up. Riders up. 
All right, guys, first race here we can watch on the screen as we talk about it. Uh, the Warlike Goddess in the Glens Falls Stakes at Saratoga. Uh, this was race seven. Wish this was in the pick five instead of the test stakes. Warlike Goddess, uh, an unbelievable winner here once again. Aaron, you were there live. Walk us through what you remember. <laughs> well, first of all, that backhanded shot at me as I start this off. Listen, I remember about this race is there was only one horse to really watch, and it was Warlike Goddess. And there really wasn't a lot of ancient moments if you've watched this horse in the past. It was almost carbon copy to what she does almost every time. Um, now, was it a blowout win? No, but you kind of knew going in. It was a really slow pace. She's going to go to the back. You know, there's not going to be any other thing. And she'll make a rally. She was just well within hand the whole way. And that she just did what she had to do. And this is what a championship type horse does. She didn't overexert herself. She just did what she had to do. And, and it was a workmanlike victory. Uh, Mike, what did you think? Were, were you able to watch this live? Yeah, I saw this one live, and this was just uh, this is a professional effort. That's really all you can call it. I mean, you, you could tell this was first off the layoff for never really asked, uh, stayed in the clear the whole way, wanted to make sure that she never got in any trouble because clearly the best horse in the race, and never really asked and just kind of ran on by this field. She was she was the best, the heaviest favorite this weekend for a reason. She was the best horse compared to the field that she was facing, and she showed up, and that was the big thing. She always shows up. Uh, this was a great first off the layoff effort, kind of prepping up towards Breeders' Cup to try and get that victory this year. Well, that's a great segue to what Nick Feldman says here in the comments. Uh, they're going to go Breeders' Cup turf and not the Philly Mare turf this year. Uh, Mount of 316s because of Keeneland's configuration. Uh, Belmont says she can do it, but she's better at a mile and a half. I think we'd all agree with that, that her at a mile and a half is her best. Um, boy, taking on the best boys and girls from Europe in the Breeders' Cup turf when she almost won the Philly Mare turf last year. Uh, very exciting news, right, Aaron? It's exciting. I'm not sure if that's good for her, though. That's the thing. I, I think that's going to be an awfully, awfully tough spot. I think she can compete with them. I think I totally agree with him. The further, the better for this horse. But, man, that's a tough spot. And you you kind of alluded to it, Magic, with the question. Not only are you getting the best uh, in America, you're getting best, really, in the world right now. And Japan, I, I should say. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm excited they're putting her at her best distance because she gets a weight break because she's facing the boys. I think that matters. And I like it when the, the Phillies face the boys in these spots. You see it a lot more internationally. You see it all the time in Europe where some of the better Phillies will take on the boys in these bigger races. I, I don't. I, if she's better at 12 furlongs, run her at 12 furlongs. Don't run her shorter in a race that's worth less money when you're getting a weight break going the right distance for her. So I'm, I'm excited that we're going to get her to get to see her in the Breeders' Cup turf versus the Philly and Mare turf. She is perfect at Keeneland. I believe perfect in two starts at Keeneland, both of those being the mile and a half of the witch stake. So uh, definitely a, a horse who loves Keeneland. Uh, can I ask this question just watching this race um, and remembering Mike's comment? Does anyone get more don't fall off mountains than Joel Rosario right now? Like he just, just don't fall off the horse, dude. <laughs> I'm telling forgot, you, man. I, I, I forgot what show I was on. I forgot this is the Joel Rosario hate show. So but, okay, no, but this this is a fair thing. Don't fall off here. Don't fall off Jackie's Warrior. Like there, there are a lot of don't fall don't off. Don't fall Joanna. off Epicenter. Don't fall off Epicenter. Excellent. Yeah, good point there, Magic. Like he does get a lot of don't fall off mounts here. It certainly is a don't fall off mount. There's no arguing that. Like look at this horse in the replay. <laughs> like, we're not doing much with her right now. You know. No. Yeah, this is uh, uh, I love this horse. She's so fun. It's great that they brought her back for her five year old year one more time. So uh, great uh, effort here. Let's go ahead. I'll pull this down real quick. 
we don't have to talk much more about this. I do, Aaron, real quick, want to uh, go back to Saratoga. Uh, race five uh, on Saturday, it capped off the Lure Stakes, uh, a huge, huge, huge start to Saratoga for the guide. So I want to give you some time to talk about it. Yeah, well, I mean, the Lure Stakes was the big one. Dyna Drive wins that thing at 23 to 1, and it really ballooned to the payouts. We were live to four horses, and I think – I think maybe the one horse was uh, public sector was paying like 900. And then this one was paying a little over 6,000. Um, it honestly, it was a couple things. I love time form us. She made sense and fit from the time form us numbers. I structured the ticket in a way where we could go a little bit deeper in this spot, uh, took some chances early in the sequence and, and got through. Uh, and the, the last thing, honestly, guys, she knocked me out of a huge pick five at Belmont on July 1st. Yeah. And 45 to one, <laughs> 45 to one. This is a horse Dyna drive. Who's been around for a while has run in some big races has kind of knocked me out of a couple things before way back. First race for Morley. She ran or he, I'm sorry, ran a tremendous race in that spot. And I just thought I'm going to just wheel this horse back here because we're going four deep. I'm going to try to be, you know, let's face it, public sector, kind of a bitch. Some like it hot brown, almost worse. So it's like, let's just take a couple shots. Uh, Dyna Drive was there at 23 to 1. Last horse on the ticket overall, you know, was able to nose down that seven. Unbelievable, right? Now hit the pause button right here, Magic. Just for just because I want to make sure that everyone also realizes this is a perfect setup for Dyna Drive as well. And that you kind of got exactly what you wanted here, where some like it hot brown steps out in 22, 46 and goes a little bit crazy. I mean, you have two horses who are seven, eight lengths ahead, and we talk about using your speed as a weapon. This is not using your speed as a weapon. This is just grueling and killing yourself on the front end. you got to like try and somewhat rate yourself. Some like it, Hop Brown doesn't do it at all, but it also pulls safe conduct into it. It pulls public sector a little faster than he wants to go. And this is these restricted stakes races are great spots to take a shot because the, the conditions are specifically horses who haven't won a graded stakes this year that's a lot of favorites that don't like winning. This is These are good spots to take some chances. I, I applaud Aaron for being able to do it. And this one's set up perfectly for the five to come rolling home. Well, let's call let's call the ride on some like it hot brown what it was. Absolutely an atrocious stupidity uh, on riding. Uh, right. I mean, just I have no earthly idea. With speed horses, sure, if you have that advantage, you want to get out there. But not if you're going to burn yourself up, right? Like there, He was like six links clear at one time. There's yeah. no reason that horse needed to be six links clear. Just a stupid, stupid ride. And like I said, it did set it up for closers. Not for dumb public sector, you know, who couldn't, who can't win a race. But for these horses, and look at this. I mean, by the way, the seven was not on the ticket. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Oh, man. That's a nice <laughs> photo for you then. I, I, well, I was talking to Jason, you know, it's like, I, I'll never complain about anything ever again for us to get that one. I mean, yeah, because the seven was not on the ticket. The five was, uh, I think Jason said he was standing by like some owners of the seven, maybe. <laughs> and so he's rooting home this pick five and the owners of the horse are like, holy hell, how'd we lose that race? Uh, I, that's Peter Brandt. So I hope he was standing by Peter Brandt as he was screaming. Okay. Surely it wasn't the owners then, Jason. Come on. Um, but. You know, again, it, it, it really, a lot of the final thing, it, it was just this horse is one I've liked. And, and and it's just like got back in form last out. Didn't want him to knock me out of a pick five again. So, yep. 
It was a hell of a hit. I think he paid about 8000 bucks for the pick five. So it's just an amazing hit there. The yeah. pick four paid a couple grand as well. So the guide cash is over 10000 I know you had a couple caches for the Rockets this weekend as well. The Bombs got a couple pick fives home. So all in all, a uh, pretty good weekend from Saratoga. I think uh, everybody seems pretty happy. And uh, judging by uh, some people that I met uh, this weekend, they were very, very happy. Yes. That, that was a happy drunk or a sad drunk photo. It was going one of the two directions. It was. A, it ended up being a very, very happy one, Mr. Sandwich. <laughs> And Magic's muted again. Well, that's good. It's just once a show now. Damn Someone it, sorry. Get, get, you know put the headset is? back on. Put the headset back on. <laughs> We're going to switch back to that. Uh, Nick always loves the Dinoformers. So when the horse won, I thought of Nick. And he says, never leave a Dinoformer off if you're going to spread in a turf race here. Uh, the next one we can talk about after that, uh, St. Tappet. We don't have to talk, watch the race replay. But uh, Aaron, just seeing St. Tappet in person, two back-to-back impressive wins now, right? Yeah, this is where it kind of started going downhill for me as far as like remembering every detail of the race. So uh, I, I did go back and watch them all, thankfully. Uh, you know, St. Tappet, the thing with him, he was a little green, but I will I will pause people to think, oh, this horse, maybe he's goofy or whatever. He ran, remember this, this is very important. He ran right after we got a lot of rain, like a monsoon of rain. And he was the first race that, that hit the track, the dirt track, well, the track overall, after that rain. He looked to me, and we talked about it Sunday, Samich. He looked to me like a horse that really hated that track more than just he's goofy and inexperienced. I I wouldn't worry too much about it. I think he's going to be okay going forward. Another really nice effort, though. There was really never in doubt about mid-stretch that he had that one. I also just want to call out, like we talk about the charts quite a bit here and how you can get some some more information from the charts after the race is over. St. Tappet was was forwardly placed through that entire race. When you go back and you look at the chart at the half or at the quarter mile point, you're the horse in first finishes last. The horse in second finishes fifth. The horse in fourth finishes sixth. The horse in fifth finishes seventh. St. Tappet sitting in third, a half length back of the lead, wins the race. So was up forwardly placed in a race where all the closers had a heavy advantage. And still ran away from everybody toward the end of the race. It looked like he didn't love the track, as Aaron mentioned. Was a little bit green, changed his lead late, lead late. But as soon as he changed his lead, that thing was over coming down the lane. I, and this is one of those spots where you try and fade these type of horses generally. When it's a first time against winners, first time N1X, specifically in New York, they have a huge debut. This is a great fade. I made a video for our YouTube page specifically about how to fade these type of horses. And this was a single for me because that's how good I think St. Tappet is. Um, I, I'm excited to see the stakes race. We see this one come out in next. I think the last like monster pick five that you hit, I mean, you've hit a bunch, but the, the last like crazy monster one, you faded a horse that had that was the first time out against winners after one race. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's that was the video. Yeah. That's that's when he made it. It's coming back to me now, Samich. So, yeah, but you, you know, you, you said it. Uh, I don't know if it was a day before, or maybe the day of you're like, now oh, that's a single like. I love this horse. The you know the second place finisher came back in one. I think you had that horse singled next time out as well. There yep. was a Chad Brown runner, wasn't it? Um, yep. One by so like yeah, six. yeah. And and you know Magic guys, I watch your guys's uh, reactions to this one. I think you were on for this one, and uh, you know you were like, oh, he didn't really burst. And I think what Magic or, or what uh, Samich just said is is why. I think he was a little tired at the top of the stretch, and he was still able to finish it up. It was a great race. Uh, we were talking afterwards. Uh, possibly Breeders' Cup dirt mile for him as, the, as a year-end goal, and then maybe you know to continue. Don't stretch him out. Go towards the Breeders' Cup Classic quite yet. He still seems like as a tappet, as a three-year-old, got some stuff to work through. But Pletcher's got plenty of horses for the Classic. He's not hurting for that one. 
Let's talk about a race that uh, caused a little bit of controversy. And by a little bit of controversy, you should see our, our tweets and our mentions. People uh, love discussing the grade one test stakes here. Uh, I guess the real question is, Mike Sandwich, I'll go to you first. The disqualification or not, lack thereof, was it the right decision? It was 100% the incorrect decision. And this is, we've talked about having DQ court. I think this would be kind of a fun one to have a DQ court on. But I think Aaron and I agree, the seven of the six had to come down. One of the two of them or both, had to come down. Leaving this 7-6-1 six, six, was wildly incorrect. Uh, when you watch the, the, the replay of the race, Macharea actually takes the lead on Hot Peppers before the contact. And I can see the argument that the contact made by the 7 into the 1 was because the 6 and the 1 were coming out, but the 6 and the 1 were coming out because the 6 was coming out, not because the 1 was coming out. So to have Maturea end up in third and have no change is just mind-blowing to me. I understand if it's 716. I understand if it's 176. I understand if it's 761. But I don't see how it can end up 7. Or I, I don't see how it can end up 761 the way it finished. I miss <laughs> You that. don't have any problem. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we knew what you meant. Uh when I was there at the track, I didn't think there should be a change. Uh, when I watched this from back, and I've watched this one a lot, I feel like the six is probably the one that should have came down. I think the six kind of started it and the seven kind of ended it. If that makes sense. If you think that the one was not cost of placing, I disagree with that comment. He, yes. she was definitely cost a placing in the spot. I think the six did the most of the damage though. Um, I don't really blame them for not taking down the seven. I think 716 should have been the correct uh, call here. Uh, I think it was just a situation where they didn't want to take down a seven because I think the seven was the deserving winner. Like, I think that horse was going to win no matter what. And so they were just like, yeah, we'll just leave it. But uh, Matarea was cost of placing here. There's no doubt. I was expecting either the seven and the six to come down or the six to come down. I don't think there was any way you take the seven down here and you give the race to Hot Peppers because like when you'll see here, you, the one actually does get in front of the six and then the contact comes and then the one re-rallies on the six. So in my mind, either you're, you're putting the one up to the winner's spot or you're taking the six down and putting it behind the one. I, I, but like to leave it seven, six, one, as Aaron said, the rules are if you cost the horses cost of placing, someone should come down. There is no way the one was not cost of placing with that contact and the hurting down the lane. I don't know if you can freeze that magic when it, when they actually get to the where they all three come together. There's, there's a better view right here. Okay, all right, maybe they maybe actually you magic. If you fast forward, they show the full four stewards views too. If you want to go forward to that, you even if you just pause it when they all come together here, magic. They're gonna um, slow it down for me too. Right there, do it right. right here. Missed it. Missed it by that much. That's all right. Well, what I'm trying to point out is what Samich was saying. I don't know at this point right here. It looks to me like Maturea is in the lead, right? Yeah, I agree. And she re-rallies after being a full length back after the bump. And, and so if you think that nothing happened and she just quit and re-rallied and, and she wasn't affected to at least get second, I think that's a wrong opinion. I'm not going to call you names like people on Twitter like to call other people on Twitter names, but I definitely think she was cost of placing. Who did it? Whose fault was it? Who's on first? I don't know. I, you know, that that's not that's above my pay grade. But I don't when I watched this live, I thought, what a disappointment that Matarea was. My gosh, that was horrible. When you watch this over and over and over, you see 
I think the seven had the momentum and was going to win, but this this Pantorea was was really affected by this bump. It, it's one of those situations where it's just tough because if if the seven's not in the race, I think the six comes down. If the six isn't in the race, I think the seven comes down. But because they're both in the race, it makes it much more difficult to figure out, okay, who's actually at fault? How do you change this in the right order? And, it, like, it feels like in these big races, the stewards would rather not make a change than make a controversial change. And that's, you know, outside of that one Kentucky Derby where they took 20 minutes to do it, it just seems like you don't see that many changes at grade one levels. So we'll talk about life is good in a second here as well, who some people felt they should have at least looked at. Well, and once again, I want to make it clear. I don't think she deserved to win the race, Maturaya. Uh, I, I don't think the, the the right call was to take down the six and the seven. But, but listen, she was affected by this bump. There's yeah. no question about it. Wham. Yeah. I mean, it, it, if you go back, the six herded the one out four paths from the start of the stretch to the to where yeah. the seven makes contact. So I expected it. I expected it to go seven one six, and I was surprised that they didn't make a change. So, a couple of people, I want to I want to address some comments here. Gabe Wilson said, "I had the one single and everything. There's no way uh, she deserved anything." I I mean, I think that's an angry gambler because I was right there with you, Gabe. <laughs> I, I I thought, forget that horse. She ran like shit, and forget her. I don't care about this bump. I'm with you, Gabe. Uh, and Charles said, "There's no way she should have been in that position." Here's the deal, guys. This the these are not race cars. Things do not go perfect every time. Sometimes you have to dig down and and win close races, even when you're the best horse. Ask Golden Pal. Nothing went right for Golden Pal. He was able to win. Now, if he got bumped by another horse on the outside, maybe he wouldn't have won that race uh, uh, for the week. They're grade one races. It comes down to close things sometimes. It costs the horse a placing, period. Did it cost her first? I don't think so. But that it didn't do in her favors. And that's, that's kind of what we're trying to say is that I'll freely admit I had everything wrapped up single to Matt Array. I don't think she should have been put in the place to win. Um, but yeah. if the people who played exactas that played trifectas that were 7-1-6, they now had to – they lost. 7-1-6 should have been probably – you know, the more I've thought about it, watching it live, Jared and I were both like, you've got to take the 7 down. And then, you know, over time, I'm like, I think it should have been the 6. I think 7 was winning – and just bumped into somebody as she was winning. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, your, your trifecta, your grand slam betters, or, or not the grand slam, superfecta, you know, anybody who plays those kinds of wagers, that's who we're arguing for to try and protect at this point. If you wheeled Matre in the exacta, if you backwheeled her, like that, that everybody who backwheeled her there got caught. I mean, there's there's a bunch of different arguments you can make, and you're looking for the correct order of finish. In this case, the one was clearly cost of placing. Well, it, it was I by someone. A- you got to make decision who. That's that's a really good point about about uh, you know a lot of people will try that with a favorite to try to get a long shot on top of them and that's yeah I mean you got screwed out of it for sure. All right, uh, great comments in the uh, in the chat there, guys. Let's move on. We're going to talk about the big race from the weekend, uh, the one that was the most fun to watch live with Jared. That's for sure. That's going to be the Grade One Whitney Stakes. Uh, you had a field of five after the scratch of American Revolution, which. Uh, some controversy there. Like he was expected to scratch, we thought, and then he didn't, and then he did, and don't quite understand what happened with that. Aaron, I'd ask you what happened. I'm not sure you remember uh, quite what happened here, but do you remember the Whitney Stakes and what happened with Life Is Good here? It's just funny. We were uh, Jason and I were sitting on the rail, right, right at the finish line, or at the break there, and we looked at each other. I was like, well, the race is over right here <laughs> when he just jumps out five leagues ahead. Uh, you know, I got a little, little iffy down the lane, but I honestly, I really don't think this was ever in doubt. I mean, once you, once he gets out in this position, you're not going to beat him. 
You know, again, I just I don't understand like evidence. People don't like to look at everybody's like hot rod. Charlie will push him this time. No, he won't. He can't do it. How many times do we have to go through this? Right. And so he didn't. And life is good. Just was kind of out there doing his thing. Mike, what did you think about this race? Um, it looked like a prep. I mean, really, it looked like a first off the layoff coming back from overseas. We're not giving 100 percent. We're just going to send the horse out there, let him do some running and see what happens. And that's kind of what you got here from Life is Good. I think it's hilarious. People are like, oh, I'm going to fade Life is Good off this. I'm like, OK, you do that. Like, let's see what happens. Right. I it is. This was not like it's crazy to say the Whitney is a prep in a way for Life is Good. But against this field. You didn't need to have life as good, 100% ready to go. I mean, happy saver finished second here, guys. Like, we've talked about how Hot Rod Charlie's a cut below. Olympiad just couldn't keep up. Uh, so, uh, to me, this is this is one of those where, look, life is good, did what he was supposed to do. Got a little little spooky there toward the end, but this was first time coming from overseas. It's a play, way that, uh, an angle that you love to play against Magic. And clearly the best horse here won the race. And, yeah, there's a little – I mean, I read should probably get days for ducking in here on Happy Saver, which we can talk about in a second. Um, but, man, it's one of those where I'm, I'm not sure why people are giving life as good crap about this effort. Uh, I don't know about the days thing there. That's like the 18th thing most egregious that he did this weekend, I think, for I read. Um, <laughs> He's a lot of days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, so here's the thing. I wouldn't disagree I, with that either. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you watch the live show uh, on Saturday with Jared and I, Aaron coming in uh, in between races and giving us a lot of, by the way, uh, we'll talk about the dabs in a minute because it's the best thing that's, <laughs> I think we've ever put on the channel. But um, Jared and I were analyzing this race and we we basically gave out the entire order of the finish. We were like, you got to play life is good here. Um, we said, you got to take Olympiad, fade him that he was going to chase and fade. Aaron, you brought it up really well multiple times that, He's had a long campaign and, and, and several good races, and at some point the dam would burst. We also said Hot Rod Charlie, he's Hot Rod Charlie. He's going to do Hot Rod Charlie things, which is try, give a good effort, and not win when he's facing an elite horse. So, you know, we, it was fun to give out the 6-5 exacta that was uh, live on the air. And then Aaron jumped in, and, and uh, life is good. You were just so unbelievably happy about this horse. I, 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 guess, I guess I just don't understand what people look at when they – or what they expect from a horse when they watch him. He's in the grade one Whitney. Never at any time did he look like he was going to lose. He galloped out way ahead of everybody else in this race. I mean, fade him if you want. He won this about as easy as you can win one, in my opinion. His dumbass jockey made it look worse when he intentionally cut this horse over. He did not have to do that um to win this race so I, I listen if you want to be mad at irad i get it if you want to be mad at life is good for winning a grade one with no no problems i, I don't know what to tell you i guess you're just not gonna be happy with any performance but hey he, look, th this horse and nicks go are, are very similar but they're also very different too because i think nicks go was just solid and he controlled it and he knew what he was doing this horse is just a freak. He just goes out there and runs, man. He doesn't care what the job. He does whatever the hell he wants to do, whenever the hell he wants to do it. That's why he beat the shit out of Nick's go in January. He's better. This horse has amazing talent. Going a mile and a quarter, sometimes that can get you in trouble because there's no telling this horse what to do. He's just going to go out there and wing it. Keeneland in November, if this guy's on the lead and flight line's not there, go come get him. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll take your chances. 
Aaron hit the nail on the head, man. Keelan, last time we saw it, was an absolute merry-go-round. It was concrete. You were seeing track records go down time after time. If you're telling me that life is good, can't get a mile and a quarter on that track, I think you're crazy. And if you point to the one time you went a mile and a quarter, they were flying early in Dubai, like flying. And you could go back and look at the time. It was something like 48 and change. No other half mile was under 50 seconds that entire day, and they ran a lot shorter races. Like They were going way too fast early. That's why he couldn't handle that mile and a quarter. There's zero chance you see that at Keeneland. Also, yeah. keep in mind, uh, the track was very weird. Uh, Matarea was really struggling with it. Life is good. It seemed like, not only that, Aaron, I, I couldn't really tell you were there live, but the, some reports were that life is good was washy and that he was, you know, kind of struggling with the, the sudden change in weather. And we've seen this actually, oddly enough, with Pletcher horses where the weather can sometimes really throw them off. But uh, I'm sure that happens with any horse. Uh, did you notice that life is good all the times that we've seen him? Did he seem less than his normal self at all? He was hyped up and ready like normal, but he was a little washy. There's no doubt about it. He, he was very washy uh, around the neck area. Uh, listen, he should have been. It was hot. <laughs> it was like a sauna after that rain. And I think the biggest thing that, that people uh, that weren't there uh, or, or, or haven't really seen the track, it's kind of a deep track this year anyway. And when that rain came, it was a soup kitchen almost up there. It was really just a, a sticky type of track. So wet track. The track, the track had changed, plus it's hot. I mean, yeah, I mean, horses aren't going to look just real great on it. We talked about St. Tappet. It's like, yeah, he won, but he wasn't, like, crazy visually impressive. The track was terrible. We talked about Matarea. Well, you know, I think the track, the dirt track, really played weird after that rain happened because when it happens and it's that fast, there's not a lot of maintenance you can do on it when you got to run three races, boom, 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 right back at it. So, Listen, if you want to fade him, I get it. I'm going to fade him if Flightline's there because I think Flightline's just a little bit better than this horse. But I I don't want to take much else against him. Uh, so Aaron Haltzman's uh, official Top 10 Breeders' Cup Classic rankings post-Whitney is uh, – it'll be actually live. This is the preview, but it'll be live on RacingDudes.com. As soon as Magic Mike's show is done being live here, so make sure you check that out, especially if you are watching this uh, on a replay here. Uh, Mike, I, I know that Aaron's – I'm not going to spoil who's up there, but did life is good do enough in the Whitney's to be your number one horse for the Breeders' Cup? I mean, I, it depends if flight line is there. I think Aaron makes a great point. If, if we're, if they're both there, then it's, it's really interesting because they are both very, very fast horses. I would probably put flight line slightly ahead of life is good because flight line could rate off life is good. I'm not sure life is good could do that. Um, if flight line doesn't rate off life is good, and they decide to bang heads. It sets it up for four or five other horses. But I, I think flight line really is the key here because if he's there, I would take flight line over life is good. If he's not life is good as the best of this crop because he's going to get loose and be tough to catch. You're muted again, Magic. Bill Mott said that the Olympiad is going to be going to uh, – they're still thinking about targeting the Woodward, so, which I thought was surprising. Chris Maiello says uh, he looked like a horse about to get six months on the farm, and, yeah, that's kind of what I thought too. Uh, I, I mean, why do you go to the Woodward to face life as good where he's going to go unless you're expecting some more pace in there? And even then. Look, I think a lot of horses hated the track, and I think there are a lot of trainers that are going to make the excuse and come out of this and say – I'm going to draw a line through this race. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if you're going to be able to get some value on some of these horses because you can draw a line on them, especially the races that weren't stakes. We're not, we're going to not talk about some of the allowances that were underneath the maiden special weights where some of those horses hated that track too. This to me was one of those where Olympia just didn't show up. And if Mott wheels him back quickly, I trust Bill Mott that the horse is ready. He just didn't want to run that day, be it because of the track, how he felt, the heat, the conditions, whatever it was. 
I trust Bill Moth in this spot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to trust Bill Moth. Listen, he didn't run. That's all there was to it. Jared was like, he he got eight. It's like he didn't even try hardly. Yeah. Like He didn't do anything. I don't think he's as good as life is good. I didn't think before the race he was either, but draw a line through it. Listen, we talked, the horses ran five stellar races in a row. And last time out was elite. He bounced. He wasn't ready. Whether it was the track or he just wasn't ready to run. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good comment from Gabe. Maybe that, maybe, you know, third off a layoff life is good, maybe a little tough. But again, you don't know what you got with Olympiad. Sometimes trainers, and, and we can talk about car tire a little bit, Magic, when we talk about uh, when we talk about Golden Powell, but sometimes trainers want to find out where they stack up exactly. Well, yeah, car tire found out he does not stack up. <laughs> where else does Olympiad go? Like, where else would he run? I mean, I would have given him time off and then go to the Jockey Club Gold Cup at uh, Aqueduct. So take a little time off, do that race, and then go to the Breeders' Cup Classic. Well, I think the Jockey Club's at Saratoga now, isn't it? The no, Woodward's at Belmont. They moved it there last year. This year it's at it's Aqueduct back. because Belmont doesn't open in the Got fall. It. Yeah. Okay. So I would go there, see if, use that as the race to test if he can do a mile and a quarter because you look at his breeding and there are some questions. You can draw some question marks. Now, the way he runs, it says F the breeding, but uh, we'll figure out what happens. Um, yeah, life is good is going sure. to the Woodward uh, Hot Rod Charlie, which I didn't realize he's just been based at Keeneland this whole time. Doug O'Neill doesn't want to look at him. He's like, I had to stay in Keeneland to train. So, unless uh, the Saratoga Snake schedule, hold on, Magic, unless the Saratoga Snake schedule is inaccurate, the Jockey Club Gold Club is the third, Saturday, September 3rd. And the Woodward what will be the race that will, fight, will be at Aqueduct. Fight, fight. fight yeah. Fight. The, the, You're right. I'm sorry. It is the Woodward that is at Aqueduct. There you go. So That's you like the spot. go to the Woodward then? So you like the spot now? I do like the spot. Yeah, I thought did they didn't the Jockey Club used they did switch it because now yeah, the jockey, I thought that was a temporary thing. So forever, forever ago, the Woodward was was, was the, on the last Saturday of Saratoga, and then last year they switched it, and they no, they have not switched it back. The Jockey Club is still here at Saratoga for the second year in a row. My brain's still stuck in last year. That's fun. All right, <laughs> we move on. Uh, the Saratoga Derby. What? They changed it last year. It's the same as it was. This is what happens when you invite Aaron on the show, Magic. <laughs> Saratoga Derby. I love this race. I love I both the of facts. the <laughs> turf stakes uh, at Saratoga this weekend. It felt like redemption, not for just for Charlie Appleby, but I loved both of these horses in the Belmont Derby and the Belmont Oaks. Finally get Nation's pride home in here. Uh, uh, Mike, what did you think about this race and, and how it kind of set? When, by the way, when you were watching this, did you look at this like Jared and I went and, oh, my God, they're going to let Classic Causeway steal this on the front end again? Um, well, okay, first off, I was really impressed that Classic Causeway ran as well as it did. So I want to give Classic Causeway some credit here. Naira and timing grade one races has become a problem. <laughs> year as the fractions come up um no i didn't think it was that big of an issue because i thought some of the other horses were a little closer also saratoga not favorable to, to horses on the lead right now going two turns on these turf courses uh, it's pretty tough to go wire to wire even if you go 29 and two right saratoga um anyway <laughs> yeah look i thought this was a great effort by classic causeway but i if you go back and you watch that win that Belmont track was playing towards speed. He was able to open up coming for home and then kind of hold them off. You didn't see that same burst at the top of the lane here to open up by, by four or five lengths. And when he didn't get that separation, I thought someone was going to go get him. But this was still a very good effort from Classic Causeway. They don't even have the times posted on the chart. 
Uh, we don't have an official time, <laughs> what Mike is alluding to with the problems with Saratoga timing, there was a race that was it the third race on Sunday that uh, Craig Milkowski <laughs> reported was 0.9 seconds off, like almost a full second off. Like, yeah, there, there was a six and a half furlong race where, where Embriali called the first quarter as 26 seconds. Yeah, I think it was a good night olives race, maybe. Yeah, uh, it was either the second or third race on Sunday. Yeah, 26 yeah. second opening quarters, four and a half seconds or, or three and a half seconds off, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's close, well, you know. Anyway, so Mike, to your point, classic Causeway. I mean, he does get headed there, but he didn't fold, which is what we saw happen in the, was it the Blue no Florida Derby, where it's like we thought he was a need the lead type, and as soon as you had him, he folds. But kind of like the Ohio Derby, he kept going here. So uh, a good effort there from him. Uh, Aaron, I know Annapolis was your top pick in this race. He ran well to get second. Just you know, might be a tiny cut below Nation's Pride. Yeah, mad at myself because you just knew that these Appleby horses would get revenge with better trips, and they did. Both of them, you better know, better jockey. Yeah, it will. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Magic. Thanks for correcting me on that, on my statement there on that. Yeah. Uh, now, listen, I was proud of Annapolis. I thought he ran really well. Uh, it just not as good as, as, the, as the four. And it's what happens sometimes. Uh, you, to your question, you asked homage when we were all of us at the track. We're like, yeah, they're going to let Classic Causeway do this again. Unbelievable. You know, so uh, we were panicked a little bit, but uh, he ran really well. Give him credit. Uh, it's OK. So just just quick, quick take here. I don't really want anything out of this race. I, I like. I realize this may be the best three-year-olds on turf that we're seeing. I really hope we have a new shooter come in from somewhere because I have not been that impressed with either the Belmont Derby or now the Saratoga Derby. The buyers come back like they're, we got high 80s winning the Belmont Derby, low 90s winning this. The time form numbers aren't blowing you away. It feels like there should be someone who's better at three on turf that can come out of nowhere and beat these horses. Were you guys surprised with Flavian Pratt's tactics to take the speedy – front running Emmanuel into a stocking position. It's funny. We talked about that at the track. Aaron, you want to talk a little about that? <laughs> I think Emmanuel's trash. That would be Aaron's excuse. Yeah. I, look, he, the, Aaron brings up a good point. He isn't on the pace when the pace, the races are that fast early. Um, in this case, there, we have no idea how fast it was, but let's go ahead and assume this was what? 23, 48, something like that. Cause I think that would probably be the correct time when this thing comes back. Um, if that's the case, then look, Emmanuel is a little a cut slower than that. And that's exactly what you saw here. But I agree. I, I don't, I would have sent Emmanuel if I was the connections, but Hey, what are you gonna do? I'm convinced that side dog is going to win one of these big races. He just always has a really shitty trip. Um, some point, maybe it's not the trip. It's the horse. Uh, Mike, I'm with you. I think uh, moving forward, look for a new shooter in the, Jockey Club Derby. Um, Nation's Pride not going to go to it. Appleby said that um, William Buick, who rode this time beautifully, Buick said this is as absolutely as far as this horse wants to go right now. Jockey Club Derby would be longer. So uh, it's interesting that he said that. Don't look for this horse to come back for the Breeders' Cup turf if that's the case as well. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a Samage. They're going to have to improve no matter where they go next. I, I, I'm, I'm with them. I don't like this this group very well. I kind of like the females a little bit better than the males. Even I, I, to me, it looked like, uh, uh, well, surely I do, but I, to me, it looked like nation's pride was just the best of an average group. Is that what you thought too, Mike? Yeah. Like, yeah, there, 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 I think the, the, there was no eye catching turn of foot here. There wasn't a dominant horse. There wasn't anyone romping home that you would have expected to romp home. And, and even the four kind of had to grind by here. Nation's Pride didn't blow this field away. Nation's Pride grinded by Classic Causeway, who I don't have a ton of respect for, but has run well twice. Annapolis 
left me something to be desired in this spot. I thought Annapolis had no excuse. Stone Age had no excuse. And, and so if I go down these horses and all of them have no, no excuse and you see Classic Causeway wire this field and then come back and run third, it's just like, okay, great. Like, I, I do believe Nation's Pride and Stone Age are the best two horses in this field. And Annapolis is right there with Stone Age probably. But am I like, oh, yeah, this is a stone cold lock next time out? No. Am I, I would much rather fade these horses, which are all going to get way over bet off this race and see if I can get a price next time out to beat them, because I think that's the better way to approach this. Just, I just wasn't impressed. For, for somebody who bet Annapolis, when they turned for home, I, I think I was, I think I was standing with Jason again, and I was like, oh, we got this one. This horse is getting ready to smoke him. You're right, Samich. He didn't. He ran okay, yeah. but he didn't have that punch. So uh, that reminds me, Pletcher did say afterwards that uh, Annapolis, because of there was some moisture in the ground, that they they think that Irad was thinking maybe he just so if that if that's the case, I mean, he needs like complete like asphalt turf, right? So that's what we learned with Annapolis. If he had a little bit of trouble with this, at, which was good, but there was still some sunshine on it. Um, let's move on. We got the let's stay with Saratoga and the turf. But we'll talk about the Saratoga Oaks on Sunday. Uh, unless you're our friend, guys, sorry, buddy. Uh, didn't work out the way you wanted here, but uh, uh, Charlie Appleby and William Buick, because they were here in person this week, and well, that's why the horses were running well for him. Uh, with the Moonlight Beats three Chad Browns, um, what did you guys think about this one? Uh, this was this was pace makes the race. I mean, with the Moonlight got the absolute dream set up, and McCulloch is just not gonna be able to run this horse down. I thought it was awfully telling that that McCulloch wins last time out, and with the Moonlight's the even money favorite here. You kind of felt like this was coming, and with the Moonlight just trip, trips out. I mean, you're chasing a better horse, and you don't need to ask until you, you see any of the horses coming after you. You you know you're going by the entire time on the five here. So uh, this was just a perfect spot for with the Moonlight to get the job done. Aaron, you were there live right on Sunday still. What'd you think? I was, I mean, it, it, in a way, it was like a boring race, right? Like the five went out there, you knew, didn't have much of a shot. Uh, the three did not go out there and chase the five. And that was the key to the race. Like Sami said, it's going to be hard to run down this three horse with this kind of trip. And uh, the Appleby horse is fired. And again, you, you mentioned it, Magic Buick did a great job in these two or two races uh, where some other jockey at Belmont did not with those two races last time. That was the key. I mean, I thought McHulick ran fine, but you're just not going to run down the three. And uh, anybody that's behind the three at this point is in big trouble. Yeah. yeah. He's got the – yeah, he uh, – William Buick kept everybody behind him, got the jump on the uh, the good Chad Brown horses there. Uh, Dennis brings up Walkathon, who was – this is why the, the pace completely changed with the scratch of Walkathon. Dennis thinks Walkathon would have destroyed this field. A bit of a stretch. I don't know. But, Aaron, what do you think? You know Walkathon pretty well. I don't know if destroys the word, but would have had a shot based on uh, where where the horse would have sat in the race, right? Um, now, here's why I say you watch a stretch. It's like this horse looks like she's motoring a little bit better than those other ones uh, on uh, Saturday. Like it seems like this horse has a little bit more in the tank. That could have been because of the trip. But anyway, I don't know if Walkathon destroys or not. I mean, I think Walkathon makes the race a little more interesting, but you got three yeah. Chad Browns in here, and the five was clearly a rabbit um, based on the way that, that, that the horse broke and, and was sent. And so the idea was that was the Chad Brown that was going to get the lead, and whoever was in this race – I'm sorry, the, the, yeah, the five was a the rabbit. Yeah, whoever was in this race was going to go – was going to have to go with the five. And I, I think Walkathon would have had to sit right behind, and then you – it's a question of who's better with the Moonlight or Walkathon. I'm going to take with Moonlight anytime. I, I think that's the better horse in this spot. I love how you went five wide down here, down the lane too. They, they just, just gave it a more European ride. Said, hey, we're going to put you in the middle of the racetrack and just go run. Do what you're used to doing. 
and, and it seemed like with the moonlight really responded when she got out in the clear there. The uh, Jockey Club Oaks is the final leg of the turf triple tiara. I think that's what they call it. Uh, it'll be at Aqueduct September 17th, going to mile and three eighths. Anyone from this field interest you? Oh, well, I guess it's hard to know because you have to see who's going to show up. Chad Brown's going to have a bunch of them, but uh, I guess it is. It, it's hard to say, but Mike, anybody that you do like moving forward? I think the top two are really good horses. I think that's kind of my takeaway from here. I, I think I think with the moonlight is an, an amazing horse. If they say she can't go any further, I totally trust the connections in this spot. I think McCulloch's a very good horse. I, I don't hate New Year's Eve. I don't hate contemporary art. I don't even hate Oakhurst. It's just you got to spot them correctly. And this was a tough spot when you're facing with the moonlight. Yeah. Uh, we got one race left to talk about Saturday. We'll go back one day at Del Mar, the grade one Clement L. Hurst stakes. Uh, you had the defending champion, She Dares the Devil, in this race, but uh, you saw right there on screen the eventual winner, Blue Stripe, the seven horse for trainer Marcelo Polanco, jockey Hector Berrios. Uh, a great effort from the younger half sister of Blue Price, who won the uh, the Judmont Spinster a couple of years, also won the Breeders' Cup Distaff as a six year old. So clearly the family gets better with age. But Mike, you also loved, loved this jockey long before he showed up to Del Mar and started winning grade one races. I haven't run the ROI, but man. As Jared would say, Berrios Hector is crushing it from an ROI perspective right now at Del Mar. He, he's winning like 27%. He's on long shots constantly right now at that meet. Uh, even Zoe is getting excited about Hector Berrios. I like playing him in long shots at Gulfstream. Half the colony leaves California. All of a sudden, he's a top three rider there. Like, it's it's ridiculous, and he's getting prices home consistently. So give me all that Hector Berrios I can get, baby. Let's keep putting those prices on the board. Uh, Aaron, more, I guess, on the race now, what did you think about at this performance? She dares the devil, I thought, had everything set up perfectly for and I think she's just not the same horse she was last year. She's just a dumb horse, right? I mean, when you want, when you want her to win, she can't. And when you, you're like, ah, she's done, she wins. I don't know. Maybe we – I don't know. Like, <laughs> there's no excuse. You're at the top of the stretch. I'm like, oh, wow, she's going to win. That's going to be a good race from her. She just didn't didn't finish the race very well. I don't see a lot of excuses here. Um, and old Barrios Hector just flies right by her right here in this spot. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't want anything out of this moving forward. Um, and I'm sure she dares a devil will be wildly over bet somewhere and we'll try to fade her and she'll win and I'll get pissed again. But as of now, I don't want anything to do with her. I'm trying to find uh, Mike. I'm going to try and get the ROI pulled up here. Uh, Desert Dawn three-year-old is not going to go towards the Breeders' Cup distaff, but I, you know, for her first effort against older, I think it was all right. Uh, right now, who is the division leader for each of you for the Breeders' Cup distaff? I'll let you go first, Aaron. Nest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess you kind of have to go with Nest. I, I kind of want to. I, I kind of want to give it to the the. Oh, I can't remember her name right now. She's trying to go. Try and go gate to wire. Latruska. Yeah, I kind of want to give it to Latruska still. Mainly because I, I think Zoe's not excited about Latruska here. Uh, I, I kind of <laughs> want to give it to Latruska because if there's not any pace pressure and, and we get loose at Keeneland, that's a really tough formula to beat her. Last time in the Breeders' Cup distaff, she took a ton of pressure. They went twenty two forty four. Look, if she goes twenty three forty six, she's really tough. I think, I, I think Nest, she's got a lot to, left to do, right? She needs to prove that she can run that same race she ran in the coaching club over and over. Uh, we're going to see her maybe in the Alabama or Travers. But I just think 
I describe Nest as the horse everybody thought Malathot was last year. Nest is this year. Yeah. And Malathot, if she was good enough, she should have won that distaff last year. She got the perfect setup. She's not good enough. She's not as good as people want her to be. Nest is. And I think if Nest shows up ready to roll, I think she can win it this year. I'm worried about Chris. Are you okay, Chris? Mile in the chat, and everything's coming in. But a funny joke. What if y'all bought a horse, named it Barrios Hector, and got Hector Barrios to ride? <laughs> First off, that's amazing. That that needs to happen. Uh, that would be good. Uh, listen, I, I'm with uh, I'm with Mike. I said it after Ness that I thought. Listen, we'll let's see what happens with Latruska. Let's see what she comes back as. Uh, we got to figure that out. Clarier, that's another yep. one. Sure. Uh, Pauline's Pearl, probably a slight cut below. Um, CC's probably going to stay sprinting on that one. But listen, this is a fun division still. It's exciting that, you know, it's, it's taking a little bit of time, but we're seeing some stars emerge as the summer progresses and we get towards uh, the Breeders' Cup at Cayman. All it's right. Be... Sorry, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, it's going to be a fun weekend at Keeneland Magic. We're going to get all the stars out for you. Uh, am I finally going to be able to go to Keeneland? We'll find out. Can I give a shout out to somebody or are we ending the show now? Well, I was going to end the show. Yeah. Well, I was, I wanted to give a shout out to somebody. Oh, well, sure. By all means. Give me Let's three seconds. Shoddy. Let's give a shout out to Shoddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Shoddy sent us all coins. I don't know the story why she sent us coins, but she did. And look at this one. This is my favorite one. She's awesome. It says, Pet the cat on one side, and the other side says, flip again. So you either pet the cat or you flip again. This is my favorite thing ever. I absolutely love this coin. I've been playing with it the whole time. So thank you, Shoddy. That's amazing. Shoddy has a really cool job. She makes coins for Game of Thrones. And so, the, so no. all of these, yeah, all of these were for yeah. Game of Thrones, the original HBO show. They're in the works to make, make, uh, make coins for House of Dragon which is coming out next month. Uh, and so she is currently working with uh, George R.R. Martin for that, which is pretty freaking awesome, uh, to make coins for that show as well. So she sent us all some coins, sent us some really, really cool wax stamps as well, which I thought was awesome with yes. racing dudes on there. So shout out to Shoddy for sure. That stuff was awesome. Yep. My, my favorite, it says, I win, and you flip it over, it says, you lose. <laughs> so, okay, explain to me. Makes coins for Game of Thrones. What does that mean exactly? They they press coins for the different characters on Game of Thrones that you can purchase as a as souvenirs essentially. So you can give gotcha. them to people who are big fans. So like there's one of the faceless man. There's some Stark coins. So you can do those kind of things so that you can give those out to people as presents. That yeah, is there really is a, cool. Yeah. It's really big at comic conventions. So like I actually I was looking for it. I have one from the boys before it premiered on Amazon. Uh, so it's really cool and it's like good collector's item. So yeah, it's really awesome. Thank you for. Uh, for shouting her out. I'm glad that I didn't ask you to, I wanted to make sure you guys got the, uh, uh, listen, we got racing dudes coins. Now they're very limited edition in the sense that I think there were five made <laughs> five, seven, very, very few of them were made. I know that much. So, um, but yeah, but I, thank you. Thank you again. And she's not watching live cause she's on her way back to Arkansas because she's been doing all of this like coin minting stuff. She's on the road doing it. So yeah, uh, she sent some to all of us too. Papa dude's got one. Uh, yep. Jared's Slim. got one. Saratoga Slim. I, I didn't realize he had one in there until it was too late. I'll get it back to him though. Uh, Dr. Miranda, I think has one in there. So yeah, pretty cool. Well, shoot. Did I, did I send her? Oh, she's going to be there for the Traverse. That's why I yeah. sent it. Oh, that's great. I gave him all there. For the Traverse as well. So yeah. I have them all. I'm going to open them all. 
All the coins, all the coins Aaron has. Uh, real quick, we Mike did want to go over the rails because if you remember last year, NFL preseason betting, Mike Samich gave out the Cincinnati Bengals. It was a lovely bet, so here we go, Mike. No antics of any kind except speed, and there we go with the antics. No antics here, Mike Stomach. Go ahead. You've got two preseason bets that you like. We got two of them, baby. Uh, okay, first one, the Tennessee Titans. Currently sitting at nine and a half as the over-under total wins. The number one seed in the AFC. You can get them to miss the playoffs right now, minus 110. I think they are going to be awful this year. I think they are secretly tanking when you go back and you look at what they did from an off-season perspective. They get rid of A.J. Brown. They saw themselves in the one seed. Everything went perfectly for them last year. And they got beat. I actually give a lot of respect to the front office in this space because they looked in the mirror and said, we are not good enough to get this done. They drafted a quarterback in the third round. They're going to want to get Malik Willis on the field. Derrick Henry's got another year under his belt. Their secondary is very young. Their front seven is good. But the rest of that team is not. I, they are going to not. They're going to struggle scoring points the entire season, and they have a very difficult schedule. They got a first-place schedule as well, which is one of the keys here. So they're going to have to face – Every single one of the division winners, they're facing Green Bay. They are facing Kansas City. They have a tough schedule. Nine and a half is way, way, way too high, especially since I think Jacksonville has a shot at being decent this year because of a massive coaching upgrade down there as well. So first one, Tennessee Titans under nine and a half. God damn it. I swear. I, it, they are secretly tanking, and you're gonna like you can laugh at me. They're gonna be like two and ten at one point this season. They're gonna be two and ten wow. or three and nine after twelve games because of the setup that their the front office wants. They want to be bad so they can try and be good again. Would you really want to like look, Brian? Like Tannehill in the playoffs is like taking a knife to a gunfight when you have the rest of the quarterbacks in the AFC, and they know it. You're not gonna win. Uh, is this your second uh, best bet? Magic mutes over three and a half first show. I, I mean, that's this is this has been special, man. This microphone is really causing you trouble, and you're like three weeks in. Why did you suggest it to me? It's your fault. You gave me one that has a mute button on it, and then I forget when I press it. I guess I just gave you too much credit, my man. All right, second one. You ready for this? This one's a little wild. I, I would. I'm going. I'm actually already. I've bet way too much money on this team already. New York Giants, baby, over seven and a half wins. I think New York is going to win the NFC East this year. I, look, the Cowboys last year were one of the most ridiculous teams from a luck perspective from both a, a fumbles recovered, a turnover, and a high, high game-changing style of play with the sacks that they got as well. Their defense is going to regress. Their offense isn't that good. Their receiver room is significantly worse. They got rid of Cooper. Uh, their, their second gallop is going to be essentially missed the first eight weeks of the season. So you have two wide receivers that are going to struggle. If you look at the rest of that division, you've got Chase Young, who's now injured. So Washington regresses. I hate Carson Wentz. So I love that he's their quarterback. Jalen Hurts, like the Jalen Hurts Eagle number one seed in the NFC buzz is ridiculous to me. Aaron, do you want to talk about how good Jalen Hurts is? I think Jalen Hurts is awful. He's awful, okay? Yeah. He's not good. So you have a division where you have a massive regression candidate in the Cowboys. You have Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz as the other two quarterbacks. Yeah, I get you got A.J. Brown in Philadelphia. That's great. You know what you got in New York? You got Brian Dable, who is the best coordinator in the NFL, specifically on the offensive. Like He was phenomenal for Josh Allen. He made Josh Allen good before Josh Allen was good. It was through specifically motion and through so that, making the pre-slap read easier. So he had a lot of motion. He put a lot of three wide receiver sets out there. He's going to do the exact same thing for Daniel Jones. 
they have a shot to take a massive step forward. I'll take over seven and a half. I'm taking them to make the playoffs, and I, I like them to win the division at a price, too. Uh, I, Zoe running off to go place her bets. <laughs> I could get there, but Daniel Jones is still going to be a big problem. I'm with you, though. I think they have a shot to, to win the division because I, I'm 100% with you. I think the Cowboys are not going to have a very good year. The other two teams, forget about it. I, I The Daniel Jones thing is the problem. As bad as I think Jalen Hurts is, I think Daniel Jones is pretty bad, too. That's the problem. I, I don't disagree with you, but I, I remember, I look back and I think about, first off, Daniel Jones, like, you got to feel bad for the guy. Joe Judge and Garrett was his two offensive play callers last year. I mean, he, he had no help there. And when you look at what specifically David was able to do with Josh Allen, by simply implementing things like motion to take away pre-snap reads, he made his life so much easier. He's going to make Daniel Jones' life easier. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be an all-pro quarterback, but he is going from literally a rock calling offensive plays to one of the best offensive play callers in the NFL. That cannot be understated and how big of a jump that is. So I can get New York Giants over six and a half right now. I would, I would take the, I think they're going to win seven or eight. That. I think if they go, if they go eight and nine, I, I think that would be a good year for them after what they've done. Um, you know, hey, eight and nine might win the NFC East. That's the thing. Like, look, you should beat Washington twice. You're sure. gonna have a, a good shot at beating Philadelphia twice. Okay. I I think you're probably gonna split, maybe beat like they might sweep the division. I hate this division. I think this division is absolute trash. And that is probably one of the reasons I'm so high on the Giants and the switch, because they're the one team AJ Brown to Philly is the one other move that you could really make a big argument for inside this division, Washington and Dallas got worse. Washington and Dallas aren't well coached. Washington's an absolute dumpster fire. And the problem in Philadelphia wasn't their wide receivers last year. Adding A.J. Brown isn't going to all of a sudden make them just like a phenomenal offense. Like it, the problem was, was specifically Jalen Hurts, how they were coached and their early game effectiveness. That's not going to change. I also just got the Giants plus 745 to win the division. <laughs> Wow, that's a. I mean, that those are good odds. To take Six and a shot. half plus seven forty-five. Like those are big numbers. In five they, months, I'm retiring. <laughs> I'm looking at their schedule now. I'm counting. I'm trying to count wins while we're talking here. I believe they're playing the AFC South as well, which is Jacksonville, Indianapolis, yeah, and Houston, and Tennessee. So, like, oh, oh boy, uh, tanking Houston. Yeah. By so the way. Can, Ahead, uh, Giants are catching six and a half week one against the Titans, the two teams that I am trashing and talking up. So if you want to play week one plus six and a half for the Giants right now, you can go ahead and scoop that up too. I think they get to eight. Maybe not. Yeah, I think I go over. I would, I would, I, I mean, shit, if you're getting plus 745, it might be worth it to bet the division, but I certainly think they're going over. If it's six and a half, they're going to have a terrible year, but they are the Giants. So. They are the Giants. That is this one, <laughs> the one worry is they are. Hey, the listen, Giants. they were the yeah. Bengals and it worked, okay? Yeah, but the, who's the Bengals quarterback, right? Like, that's yeah. the thing. It, when you can, when you have a great quarterback, it's easy to turn around a franchise that's not very, that hasn't been very good. I, if they had anybody else over there, maybe. Let's let's not forget, though, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow was coming off a torn ACL and it was his second year in the NFL and he's got a bad head coach. All true. So, like, <laughs> it was. They have great players. They have Mixon. 
Yes, yeah, the, they, Chase, they have a ton of talent. Chase turned out to be a, a absolute yeah. steal as well. Yeah, and Burrow is it just he can distribute that ball very very well. Hey, so hang on. Chris says the, the Giants have lost more games than the Lions the last five years. Is that true? Did I just I put a bunch so. of money on a team that, that's lost more games than the Lions? The I Lions don't. are like one of the most hyped up teams coming into this year, too. It's wild to me. If you're gonna if you're gonna talk shit about Daniel Jones being a hyped up quarterback, let's talk a little bit about Jared Goff leading the Lions here. Because he didn't completely suck last year. They're like, hey, this is a great idea. No, bad idea. Don't do it. Don't fall into it. That's uh, who's hyping them up. There's a oh, lot of steam. Yeah, there's a ton of like ESPN steam. There's a lot of podcast steam all around the lines because of how good their draft was, how well they drafted the year before, and Dan Campbell as a coach. Which Dan Campbell, who was the uh, on the Detroit Lions team when they went 0 16, yeah. that's his qualification for being the head coach, I guess. But they love him there. They love him. I mean, yeah, he's a Detroit guy. He's all you know, beer and steak and potatoes and. Yeah, you know, that's, a, that's a Detroit kind of – they love them there. So You guys are uh, making this up. They're not really getting hyped, right? They, oh, no, no, they are. Hand to yeah. They're like catching steam to win the division because of the, yep. the receivers that the Packers have and, and how bad the Bears are going to be. I'd much rather take Minnesota to win that division. Uh, yeah, yeah they're, they're like catching division-winning steam. Yep. Hey, listen, if you enjoyed this talk, guess what? Every Wednesday through Sunday at noon Eastern, we have a wonderful Dudes of Bed daily sports show, usually – Hosted by one or both of these lovely gentlemen above me here. And uh, if you haven't been paying attention, you really should because Jared Welch is like, what is he, 6-1 now, 7-1? He's unbelievably good, and the one miss was by about that much. Uh, I am 3-0, I think, in CFL games. And the uh, my uh, the, the Blue Bombers, they're minus 11.5 hosting Montreal this week. So we'll see. Does Magic, what does he do with that spread? So uh, we'll yeah, find it. But make sure you join us. It's a lot of fun for that one. For Aaron Altman, Mike Samich, I'm Magic. Guys, it was a lot of fun. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, that's true. He's all beer and steak and potatoes and crying after losing. That is very true. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Uh, until next time, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And he's, and he's Aaron Alterman. See ya! It's been another week in racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys in their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.